ओम मंगलम गुरुदेवाय देवीमतृक्ष मंगलम मंगलम भक्ता वृंदेव्यो सर्वलोकाय मंगलम ओम स्थापकाय चर्मस्य सर्वधर्मस्वरूपिणे अवतार वरिष्ठाय रामकृष्णाय ते नमः ओम जननीम शारदम देवीम रामकृष्णम जगद्गुरु परपद्मेतोस्त्रीवा प्रणमा मुहुर्मुहुर ओम सदाशिवसमारंभम शंकरचारमजम अश्मरचरप्रायथम वंदे गुरु परम परम ओम गुरुब्रह्म गुरु विष्णु गुरुदेव महेश्वर गुरुरेव परम ब्राह्मण तस्म श्रीगुरवे नम तस्म श्रीगुरव नम जायमा कंटिन्यूइंग आर डिस्कशन ऑफ काली पूजा द रिचुअल वर्शिप ऑफ मदर I'm not sure if this is in the small book, the section we're on. I don't think it is, but I want to make sure. Let's see what is in the small book. So, last week we discussed, a couple of weeks we did uh, discussing Bhutta Shuti, purification of the elements and the self, and then it's a very elaborate and very deep process. And then uh, 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 then last week, I think, we did the Jiva Nyasa and the, the Matrika Nyasa, the installation of the deity within the heart, right? Uh, the Prana Pratistana, Swath Prana Pratistana, and then the embodiment of the deity through the letters of the alphabet, the kar, uh, Matrika Nyasa, and especially on the hands and different parts of the body and then different chakras we mentioned that, that more elaborate the more elaborate part i'm not sure did we mention the um I'm not sure we, we really mentioned the um what they call the uh mantra purusha that was something not on my notes okay i don't have my those notes with me so i have to remember but there's idea that uh there's a the uh we install Ma within the heart, we install the deity within the heart, then the deity's form is a mantra. But that's actually, literally, the deity's form is a mantra. Uh, uh, they call it mantra purusha. There's a form made of mantra. And just like we have limbs, right, the, 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 the deity has, the mantra purusha has limbs made of the syllables of the mantra. And so this more elaborate, I also don't have it, this more elaborate nyasa, I began to mention, am, am, im, 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 um, rim, rim, all the different things like this, all those uh, letters, those limbs were creating, they're the limbs within the mantra purusha. The deity's body made of mantra is identical to our, actually we can't say that her body is identical to our body, our body is identical to her body, right? We have, we have aspects, our body manifests our consciousness through, uh, through, through name and form, just like her body, actually our body is her body manifesting, right? You can say that we're made in the image of God, like this idea, you know, that what does that mean? Of course, we always think, oh, we're making God in our image. That's another psychological, historical thing, right? Philosophically, we're made in, literally made in God's image. She vibrates through mantra and expands into different aspects of her, of the world, including a you know, little tiny part, our part, our body. Actually, the cosmic body is also seen as the the um, the uh, um, manifestation of of God's form. In the Bhagavatam, again and again, there's example, there's a separate or her head or his head is the heavens. His feet is the underworld. Her 
back is death, the front is life, her right eye is the sun, her left eye is the moon, the third, her, you know, describes her her breath is the ocean. You know, I'm not. I'm just kind of making it up right now. I remember the verses. Purusha Shukta mentions such things, but the Bhagavatam probably so far in our readings of the Bhagavatam, where we are now, it's that description has probably been given 20 times, right? This this cosmic Mahapurusha, the universe is itself the manifestation of, of the deity, right? Uh, so that's true of the universe. That's also true of our little mini universes. We're also a manifestation, and so that's seen as the vibrating alphabet or the vibrating syllables creates our form. Uh, and so when we when we do nyasam, we're actually matching the the, the 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 deity's form, the divine form of mantra made of mantra, and our own human or subtle form, not really human form, our subtle form. And this has been taught. Actually, the the proper thing is it's it's properly done through nyasa that we're doing as a way of, of purifying, consecrating the body, or replace or invoking the, the devi's body. Nowadays, I see it being taught online and in in um. In, um, seminars, at yoga retreats, and the like, right? It's being taught uh, uh, um, to all different new uh, uh, names, which I won't mention, not to be charitable, right? Uh, but immediately it's done. Now they figure out a way. Like, how do you how do you figure out a way to make this um, uh, marketable, right? You can teach you can teach you can teach a, a seminar and how to like chant certain mantras in different parts of the body and invoke this put in the, in the mantra purusha. And then the benefit of that also, because to worship Ma is not, of course, people make money worshiping Ma. That's what I mean. It's not, it's not, the way you market something is not, oh, I mean, it'd be ideal to come, learn this, I'll teach you something that allows you to, to, to purify, the, purify your consciousness and body so you can, so you can worship Ma. But usually it's like, oh, to uh, balance your pranas, awaken your Kundalini, uh, attain health, remove obstacles. You know, it's like it's all, it's done very, for my own benefit. I do these mantras for my own benefit. That's very sellable. So it's both um, um, economically sellable as well as, but the purpose becomes your own, you know, your own personal glory and experience rather than see. And of course, the thing is we do, we worship Ma. We do, we get happiness. We do get personal glory from such a thing. Right, but the per but when you when your puja, the purpose of your puja is your own happiness. That's that's not. If I feed you, of course, if I feed you, I should get happiness feeding you, right? But I should get happiness if I make you happy, not just by the act of feeding you. Sometimes people, you know, it's like yeah, I mean, there's a weird thing. It's like you no, know, feeding you gives me happiness, no matter what you whether you like it or not. It's about my happiness, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing. I mean, it happens in relationships too. <laughs> it's like this, it pleases, it gets, it gives me pleasure to do this for you. That's good. I mean, if if the purpose if, if you're getting pleasure by somebody else's happiness, another thing, right? So the purpose actually this is a sim, sim, to me it's a symptom of something. Uh, it's true of all aspects of puja. Why are we doing puja? Uh, um, uh, and as I'm describing these different ritual, deeper spiritual, psychic, astral, yogic reasons behind all the ritual things we're doing and saying, um, uh, you realize wow, it's so profound, right? And it's doing stuff. Right, like oh, like this means this, this is a, this is everything is kundalini. Everything is a symbol of of, of Ida and Pingala and and and, and the element and, and and everything is our. I mean, it's just re reaffirming that, right? That's all. This is this is part of the knowledge part of part of it. But why is it being done, right? Like, well, eventually we'll go into mudras, and that's uh, very to me. To mudras are the most fascinating topic, right? Uh, these hand gestures and things like this. They're they're very. They have tremendous personal benefit. 
they're, 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 and they're doing stuff. They're symbolic of the elements, the tattvas, and, and moving pranas around and doing all kinds of stuff, right? Rewiring stuff to effect. But the scriptures say the reason they're done is to please the deity. So we're doing, well, 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 it does do something, and there's a tradition, you can know what it does, right? But the reason whatever, it's do, whatever it does is being done is to, it's to please the deity. That's a good thing to remember. We're doing it in order to please, in order to, uh, as, as an act of worship. And when the act of worship, we also become pleased, right? So that's an important, uh, we're not doing it for ourselves, although it is to our best interest, right? <laughs> that's the thing, you know? So uh, uh, the examples given in many, many saints, uh, like watering, Srila Prabhupada gives this example, like watering the, um, the uh, fruit of a tree, no, the roots of a tree. If you water the roots of the tree, the whole tree gets benefit, right? But if the, if the different individual branches and leaves and fruit and flowers, everything is, says, I, I want the water. It's all for me. I want, I want to enjoy it, right? So the reason the water exists for my, then not only, and, 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 and if you sit there and you try to water the leaves, right? The leaves don't benefit that much. And the tree doesn't benefit. And the tree suffers and the leaves suffer. If, the, if, it's, if, if you're doing it to the center, if you're doing it to the, if, then the leaves also benefit. So when we're acting part by doing everything for the center, right? Doing everything for Mother, everything for God, we also become happy. But it's tricky because as soon as you do it for your happiness, right? It's a weird little, it's a, it's a tiny thing, little mistake. It's very hard to even describe, you know? Because we want to be happy, we say, oh, if we want to be happy, worship God, right? But if you're worshiping God to become happy, that's not selfless devotion, right? <laughs> right? It's a weird, it's a, it's a very, it's a, and perhaps you have to start, you know, it is, it is we're told, you know, worshiping God to become happy. Right? If you want to be happy, and that's not a wrong thing to say, you want to be happy, you know, worship the source of all happiness, uh, the source of all bliss, the embodiment of bliss. Um, but... Uh, uh, I, I remember this one scene that I may, I may have mentioned before, but it really struck in my mind tremendously over the years. Um, there was a devotee, uh, forgetting him just now, at the local Hare Krishna temple many years ago. And after years of japa, she had a kind of a breakthrough realization. Right? And the realization was like, oh, I'm doing it for the wrong reason. Right. She was doing her japa because first she starts, oh, to get mental, to control her mind, right? To, uh, it brings her happiness, it brings her peace, reduces stress, right? And uh, uh, helps her, even, even, even subtle things like, oh, it will enlighten me, right? Even that is like still the, the purpose of, of the mantra, the benefit was for her benefit, right? And she thought, oh, ac actually, I'm chanting the mantra because it pleases Krishna, right? And so that was like, that was a huge shift. And of course... By pleasing Krishna, reduce her stress, increase <laughs> her proper concentration, all the things that the month, including her enlightenment. Right? But that simple act of trying to do it to, to, for, for a larger reason, for the spiritual reason, rather than even subtly for my own my own benefit. Right? Swami Vivekananda, uh, um, I think it's Mundakya Upanishad, Swami Vivekananda um, used as his um, slogan, whether Ramakrishna I have it tattooed even. Um, uh, that the, we do things for our own uh, enlightenment and for the good of the world. Now, this is it's tricky because we're doing things for our own enlightenment, right? And for and we're doing it for the good of the world. But the but it's for our own enlightenment doesn't mean selfishly, not spiritually selfishly, you know. And that's the thing is our own enlightenment has to also be good, 
has to be good. People who their spiritual life hurts others doesn't seem that's a that's the first sign something's wrong. Anyways, this is back to mantra purusha. Uh, so the, the, by, 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 by chanting the, 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 the syllables of the mantras, and there's, there's actually literature, the benefit of each mantra, the benefit of each sound, the benefit of each sound and each point. It has benefits. It does benefit the prana. It does benefit the mind. It does change. It affects health. It affects dynamics and, and, and everything like that. But the purpose shouldn't be that. Right? That's, the thing. Uh, that's my larger point on the nyasa. Many more points we made, but we have to eventually move to the next page. And the next section is Ganda Adi Archana. Ganda Adi Archana. Archana means to worship or to on to. Uh, and Ganda. Ganda means uh, fragrance, right? All right. Uh, Ganda means smell, right? Uh, and here Ganda we specifically means sandalwood paste, right? Because the the perfume that's offered, although something we Isha Ganda we spray. A flower was perfume and then offer. One of the five items of offer, offering is smell, a flower, incense, light, water, I and mean food, right? These are the main uh, five offerings. The five offering, ten offerings, and sixteen offering. Each one, Gundam, uh, perfume or fragrance. But in a general sense, the main, the most auspicious fragrance is sandalwood. And so, and, that's, and actually, sandalwood paste is a way sandalwood is offered. You can make incense out of sandalwood, oils out of sandalwood. Right, and they're very auspicious sounds, but sandalwood paste has a special quality. Um, and it's done by, you take a piece of, a good quality piece of sandalwood, you take a big rough rock, and you, a little bit of water, and you work on it. Just rub it, rub it, rub it, rub it, rub it, rub it, rub it down. And slowly, by adding water and, and doing this type of uh, rubbing against a rock, you get a paste. Right, that paste is then... Everything in puja, pretty much everything in puja gets touched by this paste. It's part of every, almost everything. At least every flower gets offered. It's get every, it's dip. and actually we mentioned the other day that um, there's one saying, right, that a flower without fragrance is like a Brahmin without devotion, right, or, or like a body without a soul, right, or you can make make those type of those type of statements, right, something un, not not a very uh, uh, useless thing to be thrown away. A body without a soul becomes immediately you arrange you call somebody to remove it, right? And so a Brahmin without devotion, you should also call somebody <laughs> to, to, to remove. But a flower without fragrance. So of course it's not well, like not saying oh this flower doesn't have fragrance, it's useless. Like a like a you know it's not like that. The the point is that that saying that that um that uh, couplet uh, has two. One is that it shows the importance of having devotion, right? And the importance of offering flowers with fragrance. It's both things. Both things. Right? For, and so a flower is not just chosen by its beauty, but also by its fragrance. And whether or not a flower has its own fragrance or not, if you dip it in sandalwood paste, wow, <laughs> immediately fragrance, right? It has the best possible fragrance. Because there's many fragrance. You can, you can see, you know, you smell uh, people with different types of oils on. They have a certain effect, right? You smell somebody with expensive certain types of perfume. Some, some, some smells are... Of course, people like different types of smells, but there's sattvic smells, there's rajasic smells, there's tamasic smells, right? There's uh, uh, there's spiritual smells, there's romantic smells, there's lust, there's you know you can there's there's worldly. I mean, I, I well, careful what I say, but there is somebody in this cloth a long time ago who shouldn't be in this cloth, <laughs> but he's still in this cloth again. Uh, 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 but and when we met him, you know, it's like, you know, it smells worldly. 
not only their worthiness, but also the choice of his fragrances. Where, you know, you can see there's certain, you know, certain. Beat the point too much, but out of all profitable fragrances and different oils, actually, it, there's interesting. There's um, even for 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 the Gunda offering of, of fragrance oils that is part of puja. There's oils for each season. Every season has actually uh, Chaitanya Bhagavat Das. Uh, he's our favorite pujari. We're missing too much. Uh, he gave me a list of all the different. And he's trying to find them. All these different rare oils, different ambers and different different flowers and. And Komala um, Adikeshav, he found some very rare oils that are mentioned in the in the in the, in the another text. What was the one in Kadamba? Maybe maybe was one of them that he, we have we have a little bit on our precious things. And on, on special Amabashas will offer the special oil. These very these very subtle oil fragrances. If you go to that flower, the tree outside the um, Parijata, you're not supposed to smell the flower on the thing, and you're not supposed to pick the flower or let the flower hit the ground. But by not picking it and not letting it hit the ground, we collect those flowers. Of course, we sometimes take them off the ground and we offer them. But they're they're this big. But the fragrance you have to really like divine. There's a there's a, a very subtle and spiritual fragrance. So sandalwood is one such subtle and spiritual fragrance. And uh, uh, it's and and this and it's it's also considered a symbolic um, a symbolic fragrance also. Not, it's a it's a it's a tree that takes a long time to grow, right? It's a very slow growing tree, right? And so and it's a very hard wood, right? So it's a hard wood of a very slow growing uh, tree, uh, and then you take a piece of this wood, which already comes from generations of growth, you know, and then you have to rub it and rub it and rub it and rub it and rub it to get the paste. So Sami Shivananda, I was looking for this, but I couldn't find it today. Remember which book it was in. He has a, a list of a little bit symbolic interpretation of, of each of the offerings. And so like camphor means this and, and incense is this and oil. And so for, for sandalwood, it's the symbolism of that of the ego. You rub it. You, part, of every, part of puja is you, you, uh, you're rubbing your ego down. And you're rubbing your ego down. You, most people's ego, people have a big ego. It smells bad. Right, not just a perfume or cologne that they choose. <laughs> their ego also smells bad, independent of their perfume and cologne, right? But uh, but if it's rubbed, then something actually it seems like you're wearing it down, but that rubbing, wearing it down becomes precious, becomes a, a divine fragrance, right? So the, the sandalwood paste represents our devotional activity and worship and, and sadhana and meditation like that and selfless service, putting other people first. Uh, like this is is itself rubbing rubbing down the ego, and and that type of rubbing down the quali- the, the value of a piece of sandalwood comes from it being rubbed, by being by being it it it, it uh, uh, by it being used by being being um, shaved by being uh, reduced its value comes, That's a, so it's a very it's used as a symbolic thing like that. Also. Different deities are said to have different fragrances, and 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 like for instance, Sri Ramakrishna, those who uh, describe him, who knew him, said he always smelled like sandalwood, even though he didn't use. Of course, there's one point of his life where he did put sandalwood paste on. There was a particular part of his sadhana where his body was burning, and so when the the um, the Bhairavi, I think, is the one who told them that oh, this is mentioned as a symptom of Mahabhava mentioned in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. And there's a cure, and one of the cures was 
He had he rubbed his he covered his body with uh, sandalwood paste, and he wore I think a fragrant garland offered to the deity or something like that. I forget the exact thing. And immediately a problem of years went away. There was a spiritual problem, but sandalwood whatever that sandalwood paste immediately calmed it. But people said that that his he always smelled like sandalwood, and people his disciples said whenever they'd have visions of him, or they or they feel his presence that they would smell sandalwood. Now we hear like oh like when people the devil shows up, it smells like sulfur or something like this, right? You've heard, you know, there's some like, oh, some And actually, we've had some weird, over the years, we've had some weird, not in a long time, but kind of the, if if we were to be, uh, um, we could say there were some very strange and horrible smells, right? And it was just weird with no, no, no obvious causes. So we went, I mean, who knows what the truth is, but we think, oh, there's some, we need, we need to like almost purify it spiritually. You know, you smudge the place and things like that. But also vibrationally, you pour Ganga water into it. Whatever is there that's causing this very strange and and uh, inappropriate smell, right? Uh, we've seen, I mean, where you were in the city and there was once, <laughs> years, years ago. It took several days to get rid of a very strange, who knows what it was, right? But we couldn't, it wasn't an obvious uh, physical cause. We assumed it was a, a astral type of cause. That we, we cleared it that way. But uh, anyway, smell. So, so uh, sandalwood is is a, is an extremely spiritual smell. It's a symbolic substance, and it's in everything in puja pretty much just with this. So, those of you who grind sandalwood paste for Kali Mandir, right? You're part of every every flower gets offered. It gets offered with your sadhana. You know, it's a uh, it's a very important required offering. And there's two types of sandalwood paste. There's regular white sandalwood paste, and then there's lalchand. The word for sandalwood paste actually is chanda, right? And so lal chanda is red sandalwood paste. And it's actually, I'm not even sure if it's actually a sandalwood tree. I think they call it it's a related tree, but it's not, it doesn't have the same fragrance. But it's a very, that's the, um, and I think because of its red color, it has a shakti kind of kumkum blood type of uh, quality to it, just because of the red color. And lal chanda, we, I know somebody, there's, it's a common name for people. There's one devotee's Vedanta society called lal chanda. And Lulchant is a symbolic name also because that means sandalwood paste is not offered to every deity. Right? It, lul, uh, lul red sandalwood paste is only offered to Shakti deities. Right? It's only offered to Devi. Ganesha also. Everything offered to De- Devi can be offered to Ganesha, her favorite son. Right? <laughs> so if you can offer a little boy, you know, you can offer things. But so it's, it, by being called Lulchant means that you're not only are you an offering for the, for the, for the deity, you're only offered to Devi. Right, so it's kind of like Ishta Nishta, I'm focused on the Divine Mother, this little Chanda idea. Um, and so when we're in, in Puja, we usually have, we have a little plate of offerings, right? We have, uh, I remember we've seen, you've seen the different trays that are being offered. On the side of the Pujari, there's a plate of flowers, and there's a plate of, 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 of rice and perfumes and, and um, uh, seeds and um, uh, kumkum and red and white sandalwood paste, the Chanda. That plate, the whole pr- collecting of the plate itself is a spiritual type, is an act of puja. It's a collection of all best things, right? And, and uh, we were watching a video a few days ago from early years of Kali Mandir, and we we're going through our archives, archives for the 25th anniversary, and you see during big pujas, uh, when done the first night, when Haradanji would set things up and set up the ghat and put Ma on her place, We'd have by that time the big tray full of lots of more things, a huge thing like that. And you see, he put a he put a light in the middle of it, and then he'd 
offer the whole thing here, and then put it down, and again, offer, put it down, again, offer, put it down. There's a name, we do it during Durga Puja. The only time I ever do it is during Durga Puja. It's one of the first nights, first days offering. I forget the name of that act. But it's a certain sense, it's, it's, it's the whole thing is being shown. Look all, look all, look at all the things I've collected. All these best quality things. Look how nicely we presented them. These will be used for your puja. In a certain sense, there's a certain offering, getting her uh, acceptance, permission of these items. You know, because these very items she's we're offering to them, and then we're going to offer to them, right? And so you can say it's like, oh, like, uh, like you know, you hire a chef. First thing you do, and he says, oh, look at all the. These are the ingredients I collected. Are these good? Are these are best quality thing I could find. Okay, then we get you with your blessings, then I'll cook. I'll start making preparation. Right, so that act of collecting everything itself, one of the first acts of puja. Uh, um, uh, uh, the puja tray. And actually, one of the things you see in, in puja books, it always describes, I mean, if you go to like our puja shop, we sell puja trays, you know, very nice copper or brass uh, trays where you collect all these things. So all those things that are being offered, they're all, you know, we're presenting them tomorrow. We're going to present them individually, bit by bit, right? But we're, present, we're showing them all tomorrow. They're, they're, these are the pure things we could find and symbolic of everything that we could find. Right, like we, you know, we're not offering all grains in the world, but we have a little cup of grain. We're not offering every sandalwood tree in the world. We're offering a little sandalwood paste. Right, um, um, it's a collection, symbolic collection, representative collection of everything best we could find. In home, we call those things. In, in, in when somebody asks to do, like I'm, I have to go to somebody's house to do a puja and email they write me. Oh, send me a list of the samagri. Samagri means all the collection of offerings. We call summer the stuff we throw into the fire, that all the seeds, and when we do a fire sacrifice, we do the things in the fire, samagri. Samagri, so, but all puja things, they call the puja samagri. That's havan samagri, the box is havan samagri. Puja, and you get boxes of puja samagri. This is like a, a little plastic box, a little bit of kumkum, a little bit of rice, a little bit of, you've seen those things, and people bring them here sometimes. Not the highest quality, usually it's six, seven dollars for 19 different things. There's even a little comb and a little, Plastic mirror, all the things that are supposed to be offered. Not the same as going and finding a beautiful comb and a beautiful mirror and a beautiful cloth, but it's a simple thing. So, so Samagri is, is a collection of all these things, all the things you're... you're uh, and what is it? The sen- we, every, and it's symbolic because we've talked, I think we hinted this a few weeks ago, that even even the, the deity we're worshipping is our own... It's at the deepest level of our beings. It's everywhere. It's our own consciousness. And the very senses go out and collect stuff for it and we try to find the best thing the best music the best smell the best taste the best touches right and we and by experiencing them we're bringing the the devis of the of the body of the senses the devas and devis of the senses and they're worshiping the center they're worshiping uh shiva they're worshiping ma by this offering but we don't always collect the best things that's the problem we go out and we look for garbage things junk food Right, things that are easily easily pleasing, but these aren't. But if we're thinking, oh, this is actually for puja, then we collect the best things. Right, you know, it's like uh, I remember one devotee was he was saying they were trying to find some very good quality milk from uh, protected cows. Right, he was a devotee in Los Angeles, and there's not many uh, ahimsa farm communities in Los Angeles. Right, so it's a little bit difficult. Right, he says that yeah, I'm, he's making sweets in the deity temple in the deity kitchen. He says I'm offering wa- I'm offering things that I myself wouldn't drink. Right, there's such bill quality stuff at the store that even I wouldn't take it, but I'm going to make this for Krishna. So he's like he's so he went through it was, you know, it was an eighteen dollar gallon of milk that he was making sweets out of now rather than a three dollar gallon of milk, right? 
right? But uh, he's trying to because this is Krishna is trying to find the best, the best type of thing. But that's also true. Everything we Brahmar, we mentioned it, you mentioned this Brahmar, Panam, Brahmahavir, Brahma, Gnu, Brahma in the, in the Gita. Brahman is the offering. Brahman is the fire. Brahman is the fire. Brahman is the offering. Brahman is a ghee, the offering to Brahman. The offering, Brahman is all these activities. That's also, we do it before eating. Brahman is the food. Brahman is the fire digestion. Brahman is the one who puts it into the, fi- into the fire. Right? All these things. So if we think this way, then it's not like, oh, we can, we'll just take junk food and garbage, garbage experiences, we'll chant Brahmarpanam, and then we'll make it spiritual. Right? No, no, you take the best quality things, and then th- that itself, the collection of the best quality things that are being used for, for puja, for adoration, and, and uh, that itself is, that is puja. Not just the old joke is, well, just hariomit, you know, like <laughs> some greasy, horrible-looking thing <laughs> comes out of a box. It's hariomit, it's fine, you know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the so the, the 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 tray of puja samargri, these beautiful, the best quality, symbolic of everything, and the best you could find, right? The best you can afford, right? And in, in polished. Uh, um, Utensils, you know, everything you want to do it the best. That itself is puja. So those are those things. What are the things you're collecting? We're collecting the best things to offer to God, right? But those things, what are those things? And we, and we we've been doing. Oh, we're doing all the things to purify. We sprinkle water. We scrub everything. We're pure. We you know these mudras. We've talked about all these la- 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 levels and layers of purification. Which, of course, we can think, oh, we're purifying. Removing bugs and, and 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 dirty things and dust by washing. We're uh, uh, removing vibrational impurity by sprinkling with holy water and chanting of mantras. We can do like that. But really, the the highest impurity is in the mind. What is it? The mind. Holy Mother said that purity is in the mind. Impurity is in the mind. Thakur also said. So we don't see it purely, right? So part of this whole ritual things we're doing is to see it properly. Because actually, every flower is, the, is, is a puja flower, right? But when we go out to look, we look for the best puja, we look for the most pretty flower, and we pick it in a certain way, not to hurt the plant too much. And, like, you know, for a certain thing, we collect and we wash it nice, we put it on a tray, and we show them all, look at them all, look at the flowers, and then we dip it in sandalwood paste and we offer it with mantra, right? So all, the, all these different things that we've done to purify, this, to collect, pick, choose, wash, uh, Place, worship, dip, and offer the flower, right? All those things are what's being purified. In one sense, the flower is just a flower, or or, or the flower is already a flower, <laughs> right? It's a, a, not maybe the flower does nothing happens to the flower, or maybe the flower is always perfect, perfect as it is. Doesn't need any any extra sprinkling and wiggling of fingers, you know, mm-hmm. to make it pure, right? But all these acts change the way we think about it. Now, now they're not just flowers, you know. It's like uh. Uh-uh. Like you know, uh, you know, you walking in here, you probably walk by so many flowers. Maybe you noticed them, maybe you didn't, right? But the flowers that are offering the wildflowers are trying to like, oh, look at those, how beautiful, right? You know, the, our our consciousness changes about them. So we we're, what we're purifying is our consciousness, and we're and, and impurity is our our material conditioning, our material projection, our material consciousness. We see them spiritually. Either there's different ways to say to see something spiritually. One is to see it. As not to, not to see it as a separate thing, only seeing seeing it as a manifestation of God, as God itself, as consciousness, as full of consciousness, a manifestation of consciousness, 
or related to consciousness. That's another thing. You can say, oh, it's connected to God. Maybe it's God itself. That's, that's uh, one perspective. right? Or at least it's God's. Another way to think it. These things aren't mine. You do walk around thinking all this. Everything I see is for my, my own enjoyment. right? But these things we see spiritually mean, oh, this is for Krishna. This is for Ma. This is for Thakur. Right? That itself changes it. Or this, so it's for God. Or it's from God. Or it belongs to God. These different ways. right? There's a scene in, in the Gospel of Holy Mother where somebody, I mentioned this when we talked to Swami Vivekananda's Bhakti Yoga section on the purity of food, where um, somebody worked at a hospital, and hospitals in the, in the, are not considered ritually pure places. They're very important holy places where great work is done, right? And a very intense meeting of worlds, they're great Sunday places, powerful spiritual places. But ritually, they have a problem is that they deal with all the things that the ritual world considers unclean, body fluids, blood, death, birth, all these things that are in a ritual, in ritually pure culture, cultures that have ritual purity, these are all things that are like, and therefore whatever, it may be important work, but generally people, uh, after coming back, they like uh, um, yogis, especially Brahmin yogis of 150 years ago, wouldn't eat at a hospital, right? They'd, after coming home, they'd bathe and change their clothes, and then prepare pure food, and then eat that food, because the idea that pure from purity of food comes purity of mind, that Christian, that, 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 Samaji uh, uh, commented on, right? But he told Ma says, not only I mean I I I, can't, I, I don't have a chance to go home, bathe, and cook food. I have to work at the hospital, so I I I, ha- I need to, and not only do I need to, I do. I take food there, right? Will it hurt my devotion? Right? That's, it's, because we would never ask this question. We don't think these things that we don't think we're not that conscious of these things. But he was at he at that time was very conscious of these things. Right, and so he said, "No, no. Just think, when you eat, just remember, remember the master, remember Sri Ramakrishna, and feel that he has given you this food. It will not harm you in spiritual life. It's pure. Right. That simple act. Because what, what is, it's like not like oh, see it as Brahman, Brahmada Param Brahma. It doesn't like that. Think oh, it comes. It's he's given it to you. If he's brought you, this is the food he brought you. He's given you. So that's if he's given it to you, it's pure. It's connected to God. So either God or connected to God or for God. All these different or prashad of God." All these different ways of seeing you're—it's—it's it's a scene. It's—it's it's seeing it spiritually rather than materially. That's one of the great purifications. So, if something is spiritual and we try to see it spiritual spiritually, then the thing itself can be worshipped, right? Because like like this ma here, the statue of ma, the image of ma here, the murti murti, we better to call it, the archana vigraha, the worshipable deity. We use we're careful. People say, oh, the image or the statue or the idol. Or the graven, the graven image of God that we worship here. <laughs> let's, just, let's just go straight for it. The graven image, the forbidden graven image. What, is, uh, uh, or an image what, what, in one sense, we could materially, sorry, not to see, if I were to see her materially, she's made of, I don't know what she's, not granite, she's made of, um, yeah, granite, she's made of granite. Right. We never think like this now. Right. Nobody sees her as, you know, people come in here, oh, it's a beautiful temple. What's that statue made out of? <laughs> Nobody thinks like that, you know. But I mean, because like, but but now we don't see it this way at all, right? Right. So now the thing that's that's a rock, a car, chiseled by human hands, graven by human hands, that's like against several dictates of several world religions, right? Uh, what 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 is it? now? People come and they worship. They, and, and completely, it's archana vigraha. 
the vigraha, the form that's worshipable. It's a worshipped form. Right? Of course, one thing, everything could be theoretically large in a vigraha, we'd be careful. Right? But this form especially is, is a consecrated form. It's worshipable. Right? So similarly, the things that we're using to worship, they also can be consecrated. And therefore, when they're consecrated by the proper attitude, proper attitude, maybe ritually created the attitude or by realization, uh, they themselves are also worshipable. And so this Gandhari Archana means the worship of the sandalwood paste and the other things. Adi, beginning with sandalwood paste or etc. Sandalwood paste, etc. What are the what are the other things? It's the sandalwood paste, it's the incense, it's the light, it's the flowers, it's the bell, it's the conch, it's the conch stand. It's I mean it could be you can you can you can you can keep it's everything, right? But like Samargyam Puja Samagri means a collection, a symbolic collection of everything. So we have a few symbolic things. And the sandalwood paste is the most symbolic because everything gets touched with sandalwood paste. Right? So that if you worship, if the sandalwood place is worshipped or is pure or, 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 or uh, um, understood, then everything, it includes everything because everything is touched with it. That's why it's mentioned. So in a simple puja, only the sandalwood paste is worshipped. But with the mantra, we worship everything starting with the sandalwood paste. Right. So means more than one. That's the 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 the, the um the plural ending, right? So it's so it's not just it's the sandalwood paste and stuff, right, etc. Adi, all these, right? Ete means this. Ete means these. You would say, right? Gandari bio, all these. Sandalwood praise and the rest. Namaha. I bow or worship. And you simply sprinkle water. Right. So that then then they've been the sprinkling in a certain sense is a type of purification. We, we've done with sprinkling. We've done almost Pat and Omkring Pat Swaha, all these different mantras by sprinkling. So then a flower dipped in sandalwood. This is interesting. You take a flower and you dip it in sandalwood paste. And then you say, with this fragrant flower dipped in sandalwood paste. I worship the sandalwood paste and the other things. Ete ganda pushpe, with this fragrant flower. Om ete bio gandari biorma. I worship all these things, beginning with the sandalwood paste, etc. Right. So you worship with sandalwood paste, the sandalwood paste. Right. And this is a, what we're doing. We're worshiping small things with, with small things. But Tantra has, this form of Tantra is, has an uh, Advaitic background. So it's not just we're worshipping God with God's things. We're worshipping God with God. Right? These things are her, her, her own manifestation, they're her own being. Seeing them as such, we're off, uh, so they're worshipped with themselves. Right? And the example is we, we take, when you sit in the, in the Ganga, you take water in your hand, you pour water to, to the Ganga. You worship the Ganga with Ganga water. Right? Uh-uh. You worship uh, the sun with a with a candle, <laughs> with flame. The, you know, it's like it's a worship it with itself. Right. So we, with the sandalwood paste, we worship the sandalwood paste, etc. Etaganda pushpe te bio gandari bio namaha. Then again, etaganda pushpe om eta eta adi pataye devaya vishnave namaha. Now, not only are we worshiping the sandalwood paste, what are we worshiping the sandalwood paste as? Right. It says. Uh, uh, Adipataye Devaya Vishnave Namaha. We worship as Vishnu, the Supreme Lord, the Universal Consciousness, right? Vishnu, Adipata, Adi, 
Adipati, the original God, the original, I mean, the, the original Godhead himself, itself, herself, right, Vishnu. So it's like, not only we worship this flower with the sandalwood paste, was, was a flower dipped in sandalwood paste, we worship this flower dipped in sandalwood paste, we worship the sandalwood paste as God, as the original form of God himself, herself, itself, right? So it's, it, it, you're getting very specific. This is God itself, right? We were and then with this so with the sandalwood paste, we worship the sandalwood paste. With the sandalwood paste, we worship the sandalwood paste as God Himself. We worship with the sandalwood paste, we worship the sandalwood paste uh, uh, as all the deities that accept puja. So now we're gonna. Who, who are the deities we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna worship? We worship Guru, Ganesha, Surya, Narayan, Shiva, Durga, Ramakrishna, Holy Mother, Vivekananda, Annapurna, you know, Pratangita. You know, you can start going to the Lakshmi, Saraswati, Krishna, Jagannath. This goes to the list, right? All those deities that accept our worship, right? We're worshiping them with the thing that they're. So it's not only, so it's the sandalwood paste and all the puja things, everything being used in puja is worshipped. It's worshipped as the supreme god, and it's worshipped as all the gods that we're going to be worshipping. Right? So it's a very deep, profound thing. Right? It's, it's, it's dual and non-dual. It's one, and, uh, the one and many. So that's a simple, in our, in, in, I can't say, the small book doesn't have it, the our Nitya Puja has it. On bigger pujas like Durga Puja and Shamakali Puja and Amavasha, we extend this puja further. Uh, actually, even here it's extended some of the mantras. So then we worship not just the sandalwood paste, the sandalwood paste and and the rest. Some of the rest are also important, right? Uh, um, so the next one is Etiganda Pushpe Om Dupaya Namaha. Dupa means incense. Right, so we worship also with this with this fragrant flower. We worship the incense. Of course, that incense we're using to worship the deity. But the the worship the de- the incense is also the deity. It's also Lord Vishnu. It's also all the deities being worshipped. Right, right. Uh, it's one as the Gita says. Brahman is the offering. Brahman is the fire. Brahman is the the one who offers. So and, and like this. Brahman is everything. All these different things. So incense. There's a mantra I don't have here. Probably one of the books here. I don't, know. I don't have it uh, bookmarked. That uh, that we use in very even more elaborate pujas, where each offering has a prayer, right? Uh, and so the offering for offering incense, the prayer it says, uh, collecting saps, barks, saps, uh, saps, resins, and barks from sacred trees from from every forest. From something like that, right? We've created this instance with this fragrant, you know. So, so even though we may just go and buy, you know, Nag Champa from <laughs> Mothers or something, <laughs> that's our instance. Whatever we use, the best instance we can. You know, it's not too perfumey, something that's natural, right? But the idea is that what you're offering with the incense, you were offering the, the resins of, of of sacred trees from sacred forests, right? So the, once again, the best, the essence, the best you can get. That's the fragrance we're offering. And then we offer, then we worship at the Gandapushpe, Dipaya Namaha. We worship the lamp. Um, didn't, there's so many beautiful mantras for worshipping the lamp. There's mantras for lighting, Dipam Jyoti Param Brahman. There's different 
mantras like that. We worship, there's a mantra that people use when they lamp the lamp in the evening as sunset comes. We've also lit a lamp without the proper mantra. There is a proper mantra for lighting the lamp. And it says, Deepam Jyoti Parabrahman. This, 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 this divine, this, this shining light, Deepam Jyoti, this light lamp. I read the same word twice. You know, we have, there's like 90 words for light. It's hard to translate them in a list. Uh, um, uh, th- what is it? Para Brahman, the Supreme Brahman. So it's like it's like this little. It's, when is a lamp not a lamp? When it's the Supreme Brahman. You know, you know. <laughs> that's the thing. This lamp is the Supreme Brahman, right? You can also do uh, whole pujas just to a lamp. People have a beautiful um, Lakshmi Deepam. Sometimes lamps. Very often, you go if you go to the Insta, we have some where the lamps themselves have deities on them. Often Lakshmi, right? Or we have one with a Naga. We have, we have a beautiful one with Durga, Lakshmi, Saraswati, Kartini, the full Durga Puja thing, or Ganesha. Because the, the lamp is the deity. You do the puja, you can do the whole puja, whole puja just to a lamp. All right? it's, a, it's a perfect symbol of, not so, it's a symbol of God light, heat, uh, awareness, uh, warmth, safety, all the things that light represent. But it literally is God, not just a symbol of God. Right? So the whole puja can be done to the lamp. And that lamp we then use to worship. And in the evening, the, the traditional culture, when you light a lamp, then you take the lamp, that lamp that you light, you take it into every corner of the house. You take it room to room, right? Or sometimes you do RT, all the different pictures. You know, there's a simple whatever some ceremony is, is that to bring light into the house, bring light into the into the in, into the house, into the home means into your body, into your mind, into like this. And so this worship and lamp. You, now I've, it's unfortunate I don't see it happening. But maybe 10, 15 years ago at our ashram, right, an evening would come around this time. We'd be talking outside, and one of the boys would get, go on turn on the, the light. There's one light. <laughs> now lights are too so common. We don't think we take anything. We have, we have 93 lights in Kalimandir now, I think. A new lighting system. <laughs> LED, new lights, you know. So it's hard to, hard to think of them separately as, as, as non-different and representing uh, God. Right, but there when they you know, it became a little dark, we'd be talking, Guruji would be talking, and then it'd be dark. So one of the boys would come. Talk. As soon as they turn on, everybody would stop, and they I'd bow to, to the light bulb that just was turned on, and then they keep going. I go, unfortunately, I haven't seen that a new batch of kids or something doesn't do it, or we're just another nail in the coffin of Kali Yuga. We lose consciousness of <laughs> light. When, when light is no longer a symbol of God, we've lost a lot. You know, that's one of the big. That's one of the big ones, right? <laughs> light, you know. So, um, but so yeah. So, but even that, you turn on the light. We, are we conscious? I mean, what does? Of course, we have big ones like sun, moon, stars, but also fire. But even electric lights, everything is 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 light is light. You know, but, uh, le- electricity is a type of fire. You know. <clears throat> so, etagana pushpe om dupaya namaha. Etagana pushpe dipaya namaha. With this fragrant flower, we worship the incense. Is this fragrant flower we worship the lamp? Etiganda pushpe, then we worship the bell. We have this bell that we use for everything. Uh, we ring the bell during so many offerings. We'll go into that, uh, and it's always on a plate. Should always uh, puja bell should never be directly on the floor or table. It should be on a plate. If you don't have a plate, I remember sometimes you'll, they'll take like a, like a uh, even like a, uh, a leaf or something. You put it in that becomes an asan. Something for an asana, a cloth or a leaf or Kusha grass, something to put it on, right? Because this is why? Because this is now this is a deity, so it needs an asan. 
So and 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 the the the, um, the bell is usually almost most puja bells have deities on them. Often this one has Hanuman. Sometimes they'll have Garuda, the eagle mount of Vishnu, right? We have some that have um, uh, um, Nandi, Shiva's uh, uh, bull. Sometimes they'll have a, a, a serpent, right? Uh, or um, uh, a tree shoal. Deborah has this great, huge, almost this big, really super awesome, very heavy. We used to use the term big puja. Uh, Pranab would do arati with that. I mean, he takes two hands to carry it. I don't know how he did it. He takes two hands to carry it in. But it was very, very dramatic and cool. Because then you see, there's no, we don't have to guess that they're, they're, they're deity. You can see the deity, right? But what is this deity? The deity is here, Hanuman is like this. Garuda is like this. Uh, Nandi is like this, right? These are deities that are meant to serve. These are servant deities, right? They're Vahanas or Sevakas like this, right? Right, so uh, the bell is, so the bell is, so that, that, gives a, that gives a clue. What's the bell for? It's to serve the deity. And we can give, and we have, and it's like, oh, the reason we ring bell, I, I tell you, disappoint people and offend people online, right? But one of my least favorite things in the world, right, is my personal spiritual uh, Facebook pet peeves, the people who post things, oh, the real reason Hindus worship bells, or the, the, the real, top ten, the real reason we touch people's feet, or real reasons we light a lamp, they usually give a list of really stupid, and not stupid, they're all true, right, but they're so trite, right, and, and it's like, oh, you know, they think they they think they're making Hinduism look good, but they're not making Hinduism look. Good. You know, make it, there's much much better reasons than the ones given, right? Uh, uh, uh. So there, so we can give such reasons, like well, like the bell. One of the things of a bell, it um uh, it concentrates the mind. That's true, right? You ring a bell, it just may, removes distractions and concentrates the mind. It does, it's true. It's one of the reasons to ring a bell. You you immediately focus the mind, remove distraction, remove any in us any outside sound. That's true. Right. It's believed one of the reasons we have a bell at, at the door of a temple, right, is that it removes it, the sound of it destroys negative vibrations. So if you have any spirits or ghosts or other energies coming with you, you ring the bell, they get shattered, right? They go, and I think that's also true, right? If you go outside of a Catholic church, there's a little a little um, um a little niche with holy water, right? There's many, and you you, you do the sign, you you take that water and you purify yourself before entering. Right, bears and bones. I remember when I was ten, and it was explained to me. Where he says, "Oh no, the devil may fall on you, maybe fall on you in. If you do this, he can't." You do it like it's like great. <laughs> I know that I'm carrying the devil in, right? Right. But maybe I'm carrying the devil in. Maybe there's some some spiritual energy, you know, and that removes it. I mean, at right at the gateway, there's something, some purifying thing right at the gateway, right? Uh, so the bell is something. <clears throat> The bell is something. It also so, but but so that's that's true. It is it purifies the mind. I mean, it it removes distractions. It helps concentration and removes any uh, spiritual vibrational entity or energy, right? But remember, all these deities are also like this, right? They're servants. So the real reason behind it is 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 the deity is that of uh, Seva, right? You can close. I'm hot and cold both. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, right. So, so simple thing. The fact that Hanuman does everything only to serve Ram, right? And Garuda does everything only to serve Vishnu, right? The bell is only to serve. So exactly the reason we do it is to please the deity. That's two things. One thing. Another reason why we have the de the dwell at the door hanging, um, um, 
is that it's like knocking, right? When you enter, right, there's, there, we believe that somebody lives at this house. It's not our house. It's not just, an, this is not an empty room. And when you enter a room where somebody is important, uh, is there, you let your, you announce yourself, right? So that simple act of ringing a bell, or if you can't, if you don't ring a bell, this is something, if you don't ring a bell when you enter a temple, you can literally knock. As soon as you walk in, people just come in and they walk in, right? Just to make some sound, right? This is, we recently saw a video of Mahadevananda, one of the wonderful histories, historical sadhus of Kali Mandir uh, connection. And uh, he was in, like a Nagababa uh, sadhu, we knew. And uh, we, were, we have a video of him. We went, he, went, we, he took us to the beach to show us a place, a good place to meditate. That he meditated when he was young. And he carries a, he has a stick. As soon as he, as soon as he got anywhere, he, he got, we got to the, to the, it was at the Moss Point. He takes his danda and he does two whacks to the, um, the, the rail. Ding, ding. Right. And then we went back down. We got to the bottom. He gave another two whacks. Because he's letting, this is a sacred grove. Right. There's things, there's people there. There's spirits there. There's deities there. You never go without making noise. I first saw this. Because this is sadhu culture. We don't. We do it in temple culture by ringing the bell or giving a tap when you enter. But in sadhu culture, I've seen in Amrakantak, we went to one wonderful ashram, and uh, uh, and and uh, when sadhu is no longer, he left his body, went to his kutir to see his his um his um his uh, um samadhi, and there was one of his disciples there. And everywhere he took me, he, he took me to different like the whole this. He took me. Oh, this is where Baba used to bury himself during Navarachi. This is where Baba used saw that form of Shiva that he pulled out of the river. This, you know, there's every part of the ashram is full of these sacred things in the in the very wild natural setting. But everywhere he went, he would, hey! and then he walk and walk, and then he get to the next section. He be these big, hey! you know, these like animal sounds and clapping, and he really very um like shamanistic sounds, right? But what he was doing, he was these this. He's not. We're not the only ones. We're not the most important people. We walk in. We walk into the temple. We're not the important people. The most important people here, right? You have to let them. You don't want to surprise them, right? So you make some noise. So even that's a type of service, right? For these type of bells. For the bell we use in puja, right? There's a mantra. Maybe I have it. Maybe I have it. Sorry. I should have it. Karanyasa. Sharga. Unfortunately, I don't have it here. Maybe not. Kanch. Sorry, one second here. Do it by memory. I lost my page, unfortunately. Give me. I don't know by memory. There's. Uh, I just want to chant the mantra is cooler. <laughs> mantra is always cooler in memory. But it says that within within the sound of the bell is all ragas and raginis. Right. Uh, that's the thing. That means within the sound of a bell, all ragas and raginis are. That means it's done as a musical offering to the deity. When you ring the bell, it's not for us to concentrate or to remove distractions or even destroy. Uh, negative vibrations. It's, it pleases Ma to hear the bell, right? You know, uh, uh, the very the very sound of the sound of the bell has it. And you and you choose a puja bell. You know, we even, you know, 
when you go to choose a bell, you you, you ring, you hear the different tones, you find one that's, it has you hit. Even they call it bell metal. The, the metal that bells are made out of are different. They have, when you make bells with these metal, they have different sounds. And you see, if you go to, you used to go to a regular store and buy a bell, you need, it's like, if you go to, you go, you, you get a puja bell. They're, they sound differently, right? You're, you're, you're looking for the, for the proper sound. I do want to find this. Give me 30 seconds here. If I don't find it in a minute, then I shall talk amongst yourselves. Not really. Reading sounds from a All these are really cool. Maybe. Volume. When you have a two-volume set, Acha, okay. Flowers. going on today. Okay, I'll have to do it from memory. Anyways. Um so the so the the so the, the bell all sounds are there. Also in the, there's a there's a um uh, in the Dhyan Manasa Puja we haven't gotten there the part of the Kali Puja a very every important puja is Manasa Puja. Before you offer the items externally, you offer them by meditation. You visualize them. There's different ways. You can just visualize doing it. But then in the in the Tantra Shastra, it gives a very deep um, meditation of what these items actually represent or what they are internally. Like, for instance, the incense, this is prana. Incense is prana. Right? The five prana, the five incense sticks, right? The tej is tattvam, the very essence of luminosity, of fire. Fire element is fire. And then when it comes for the bell, this is anahatta dwani. We talked about that maybe two week, last week or two weeks, last week, I think. It means the unstruck sound. This is om. So the sound actually within, by saying that all ragas and raganis are in it, all sounds are there, right? All mantras are there, right? This means it's the sound is om. So the external thing will ring a bell internally. The, the real meaning is that the, the one sound behind everything, the sound from which manifests everything, right? Etaganda pushpe um 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 etaganda pushpe jaya dwani mantra mantaha mattaha swaha um gantaya namaha. So here it is actually so gantaya we worship the this one actually has it's not the mantra I was looking for it this has it jaya dwani mantra mattaha we worship this fragrant flower we worship the bell which contains within it all mantras so not only all all ragas ranganis all mantras are there so ringing the bell is all mantras. It also does, there's a, there's, I'll tell you a secret from one of the, our puja gurus, uh, uh, wonderful Sanyasini, revered um, uh, Pravrajika Gita uh, Bhakti Prana, an elderly member of Bhakti Prana, old, she used to do puja arusha sometimes. But she was, a, she was a puja guru for most people in California. Anybody who knew puja probably learned it from her in the original. Some Chaitanya had to learn mudras from her and things like this, right? And, uh, 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 but she gave a secret. I'll give you all the secret. You could become pujaris or not, but he said, when in doubt, 
ring the bell. And I would ask their man. <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes you're like, you know, you're losing the crowd, you know, where you are in the book. I just like, well, just, yep. You know, it's like, everybody's like, oh, very powerful puja. Because the, bell, the bell's already auspicious. People hear the bell, oh, very, very good. Even though you may not, you may be doing it because you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> but ringing the bell has. You see, even in church, we have church bells. Yeah, the bell is something means to be a very sacred thing, you know. Sound of a bell. We worship the bell. Then often we take some sandalwood paste and actually put sandalwood paste on the head of the deity. Or if it, like if it, there's a, like for ours we have a Hanuman, you can put it on the feet of Hanuman, right? And then offer a flower. Sometimes we lift up the flower. We lift up the, the bell. So left hand we put a flower, and then before putting it down, you give a little ring. When you worship the bell, you you have to let the bell make a sound. And the pushpe on you. You put it down. And sometimes, and during a more elaborate puja, you can do, actually do with different types of sandwood paste, the four corners of the bell. It can be more elaborate. I'm not going to go so much. pushpe om shankaya namaha. Shanka means conch. So the conch is also, is also worship. Now, conch is a very special. Actually, most, in a world of ritual impurity, things that come from the body are considered unclean, right? When they're separated from the body. Like, for instance, your hair is all beautiful and clean and beautiful. You know, it makes you look, mine looks very good right now. Uh, uh, but if it's, but if it's, once it's separated from the body, it, it changes, right? You know, you can see, oh, you, you can stroke your, 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 somebody's hair. Oh, look how beautiful your hair is. But if it's like, but when it's on the bathroom floor, you're like, it's gross. You should have cleaned that up, right? You know, it becomes different, right? 